All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got a very special guest. We've got one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game of football, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Bears legend, Mr. Mike Singletary. Mike, how's everything going for you? Oh, thank you. I'm thankful for uh, having me on, and uh, I can't complain. Life is, uh, life is good. So how's this past 10 months been for you and your family? It's The world's been in a tailspin. How have you guys been adjusting? Well, you know, we just uh, continue to move forward. We're a close family. We see each other. We do things for each other. We help each other. Um, uh, but it's going well. No complaints whatsoever. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. And then so uh, NFL season, we got a championship weekend coming up on Sunday. Were you surprised of how, how that the fact that they didn't have to cancel any games this year, despite an ongoing pandemic? Well, I figured that, uh, you know, being the NFL, I, I think uh, the NFL serves a, a huge place in our, our country. It fills a huge void. Um, so I, I felt that if anything could stand, it would be the NFL. Um, and uh, it did. So they, they figured it out and it worked their way through it. Yeah. And then so I want to kind of get into your career a little bit. So how did you end up at Baylor? Baylor was the only school division one wise that offered me a scholarship to play linebacker. Uh, I got one other division one scholarship and that was the university of Texas. Interesting. But they and wanted me to play running back. Really? Full Interesting. Ball. Yes. Wow. That's unbelievable. And then, so when you got there, did you kind of have a chip on your shoulder? Like, all right, I'm going to kind of show everybody, prove everybody wrong. No, I, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder at the time. I, I really felt uh, very confident in what I could do and, and uh, from the time I got on campus, I was very focused on the goals that I wanted to accomplish. And, um, you know, I was ready to go. Interesting. And, um, I have a question. Who did you kind of mold your game after? Um, I really didn't have um, anyone to kind of pattern my game after. I, I really wasn't allowed to watch football that much, you know, with Pentecostal uh, background. And, um, you know, I, I knew a little bit about football. I, I knew about Dick Buckus, had watched him a couple of times. Willie Lanier watched him a couple of times. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just felt that when I started playing football, the most important thing for me was to give 110% all the time and, and just uh, set, a, set a standard of playing as hard as I could play every play. And that was really it. Were you just focused on playing college at the time or was the NFL like on the back of your mind? Yes. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I, um, I wrote out my vision statement and uh, my dad left my mom when I was 12 years old. And at that time, um, I got out a sheet of paper and I wrote out, um, find a way to get a scholarship to go to college, um, get my degree in which I'd be the first in my family to do so. Oh, cool. um, get uh, become an All-American, um, get drafted in the NFL, buy my mom a house and take care of her for the rest of her life. Oh, cool. um, become an All-Pro, go to the Super Bowl and own my own business. At 12 years old, that was my vision statement. I wrote that out and I put it on the wall. That's awesome. Do you still have that piece of paper? No, I don't. That, that piece of paper changed many times. I, I put it up, tore it down, put it up, tore it down. There were some days I felt, what am I thinking? What am I doing? But I kept writing it out again and putting it back up. That's awesome. Um, during your time at Baylor, when did the 
possibility of you becoming a high draft pick really come into reality? Well, in all honesty, um, when I, I never really thought about high draft pick, you know, I didn't understand how that worked. I just knew I was pretty decent. And uh, I felt uh, my goal was to be the best in the country. Um, and everything else I felt would take care of itself. So I felt that I would, I would go, you know, um, hopefully a number one draft pick. Um, by the time I was a sophomore, I was, uh, I just continued to work hard. And I believe that by the time I was a senior, I'd, I'd be a uh, first round pick. That's awesome. And then what was your draft process like? Did you know the Bears were looking at you? Um, I really didn't look at, you know, who was looking at me at the time. I hoped that the Cowboys was looking at me. I was a huge Cowboys fan, a Roger Staubach fan, and uh, growing up, and uh, really wanted to go to uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, when that didn't work out, I, I really prayed that I would go to Chicago Bears. And um, because I knew that that was a town of defense. And so I was very thankful to have the opportunity to do that. I was actually talking to Danny White yesterday, and he was talking about how he became the, the backup to Roger Staubach about the crazy incident, apparently. Some other guy kind of sucker punched Roger and then drove off. So it was very, very interesting he brought that up. Uh, and then, so what was the draft night experience like for you? Was it, was it live or was it, was it the radio? How did that go? It was... Um, I was in Houston and it was at a local place oh, cool. and uh, I was there and um, there were a number of people there, but more reporters and things like that than anything else. Um, and um, there were like three different teams that called me and said, Hey, uh, there's a chance we may get you in the first round. Uh, we're either going to go with you or the other guy. And all three teams picked the other guy. And I ended up going in the second round. Cool. And I have a question. So, so I'm, I'm in DC. You played with Ron Rivera for nearly a decade, and I saw an, an, uh, a quote you had that was attributed to you back in 2016, talking about how he sort of built himself back up after being let go from the Bears and kind of making his way back up to be the head coach in Carolina. Based on what you saw with that, and when you said he overcame a lot of adversity, how does that even compare to what he's had to deal with since he got to DC? How did that? How does that even compare to what he's had to deal with this past year in DC? Um, in terms of what he's been through. Yeah. Like, how does he do it? I, 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 he's like Superman. How does he do it? Well, I, I think, um, I, I think for someone to do that, you just have to have inner strength. Uh, you have to have, uh, you know, the fortitude to pick yourself up and, and keep fighting and, and, uh, persevere, you know, that's the name of the game. Yeah. So I have a question. So when you get to Chicago, I saw another old, another, another quote, apparently you said that you kind of always had to watch your back because Walter Payton was always pulling, pulling pranks at everybody. Walter was a prankster and uh, we didn't spend a lot of time together, needless to say, uh, because I told him, I said, Walter, I love you. I, I love you as a player, but do not pull pranks on me. That's not a good thing for us. That will not be good for our relationship. So we didn't spend a lot of time together, but had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Did he take that warning lightly or did he just still go about and do it? No, uh, it, 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 uh, <laughs> the conversation worked well. Good. That's good. And then can you talk about like just who, who he was, excuse me, 
who he was as a man because we've always talked like we you know the legend of walter Brain. what was he like as like a teammate just, just like as a guy you were around all the time like how special of an individual was he walter was just uh um he was just a tremendous person he, he was a all-around guy um you know he's a good family man a uh, good father to his kids and um a great teammate um you know did great thing for the community always handled himself a businessman uh, off the field, uh, made some great decisions, uh, took care of business. And so uh, very well respected uh, for what he was able to accomplish on and off the field. So um, uh, tremendous amount of respect for Walt. Awesome. And then so I have a question, which current linebackers in the league today do you kind of see yourself in? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say the game has changed so much. And, and, um, you know, when I, when I look at linebackers now, um, it's kind of hard to, because it's not the same It's it's a, it really is a different game. You don't have guys just coming downhill, blowing stuff up. Um, you know, they, it's, it's, it really is different. So I, I'd be, be hard pressed to, to try and pick one. Oh, cool. Uh, I have a question. Um, so I remember, I, of course, the 85 Bears 30 for 30 was fantastic. And I saw that your relationship with Buddy Ryan kind of, you kind of got up to a rocky start. How, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, Buddy, uh, first of all, um, I held out as a rookie uh, because I felt that I should have been drafted in the first round, was not. And so I'm in the second round, but I wanted first round money. So that didn't go too well. I was a um, couple of weeks late to training camp. And um, when they drafted me number two uh, or in the second round, um, one of Buddy's favorite players was the middle linebacker for the Bears at that time. And he was holding out. And so when I came in two weeks after training camp, uh, the linebacker, after they saw me practice that first day, uh, they had a scrimmage my first day of practice. And in that scrimmage, I made a number of tackles and did pretty well. Well, they ended up cutting the guy. They ended up cutting the guy that was sitting out. And Buddy was got even more mad at me uh, because he came up to me right after that scrimmage and said, uh, look here, you little short guy. He didn't say it that way. He added some other uh, words to it. But he said, hey, look at here. They just let a, uh, a heck of a guy go because you're here. You better be worth it and walked away. And that was kind of the start of our relationship. And it didn't get any better that year or for the next year and a half or for that, uh, for that thing. What, what, when did it kind of kick, kick in that you like, you, you saw that he was trying to motivate you? And then how did, then how did your relationship change? The relationship changed when um, I think Buddy was just trying to really find out what I was made of. And um, we, playing, we were playing a game against Kansas City and they had a running back named Joe Delaney. Joe Delaney was averaging about 150 yards a game on the ground. And uh, Buddy was showing the film and, and he said, okay, a little short fat guy, you got to stop this guy. Uh, you think you can stop this guy. And every time he showed him, uh, this guy was running maybe a 20-yard run, a 50-yard run, 30-yard run, over and over. 
Well, when we played them that, that, that week, I hit him. Uh, they had a trap play that they really liked and uh, they ran it one too many times and I timed it up really well and I hit him and uh, knocked him out of the game. Uh, he came back in again. They ran that play again. I knocked him out of the game again. He didn't come back. When I got on the bus, uh, Buddy uh, touched my leg and said, hey, uh, you showed me something today. And after that, our relationship kind of changed. Cool. I have a question. Which player did you spend the most time planning for in your whole career that you knew he was going to give you, a, give you not, not give you trouble, but like you knew he was going to be a challenge to defend? I'm sorry, say that again. Which player did you have to kind of like, did you, did you put the most time into preparing for because you knew it was going to give you an afternoon? There was a guy for Tampa Bay, his name was Sean Farrell. Uh, Sean Farrell was a linebacker, I mean, was a uh, offensive lineman. He's a guard. He played for Penn State. Uh, he was a first round pick for them. And uh, I, I like competing against him. And I always knew there was going to be a battle. Uh, because uh, he was a tough guy, but he wasn't a dirty guy. He didn't hold. He didn't do things like that. Uh, you know, some plays I get the best of him. Some plays he get the best of me. But we played, we played clean, and he was one of the few guys that played like that. And I always appreciated that. It was kind of like a gentleman's competition. Yeah. Let's see, I've got a couple other questions for you on here. Um, let's see. Kind of, kind of a dumb question for you. Do you think you would have played twice as good if your last name was Double Terry? <laughs> yeah, that, that is an interesting question. Um, who knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, so the yeah. eighty-five, the eighty-five season. How did, how did you feel that the, the defense? When did you know, like, all right, like we're we're, we're on another level? You know what we. We, uh, we had a vision, we were on a mission from the time that we lost to San Francisco the year before in the championship game. You know, we talked about it on the plane coming back. Next year is gonna be our year. Next year is gonna be our time. And uh, the whole focus that off season, uh, it just carried over into, um, you know, what, what we wanted to accomplish that year, what we wanted to get done. And, um, you know, we, we played very, with, with a tremendous focus. And uh, that, you know, the rest is history. Every time we went out, we played for each other. We, we played uh, for the city, we played, um, we, we just really had a great time and dedicated the season to uh, being the best that we could possibly be. And that's, that's what we did. I have a question. In your opinion, who's the second best defense in NFL history? Because you guys are obviously number one. Uh, I would say it's in between uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting. Interesting. I have, I have a question. That the commercial from a couple of years ago, the NFL 100, the Super Bowl commercial, how fun was that to film? Uh, it was fun. I mean, um, other than <laughs> other than screaming a few times, having to do it over and over and over, uh, but it really was fun. We we had a good time doing it, good time making it, and uh, got a chance to see some guys that you don't see every day. Welcome to the 100th season of the National Football League. Tonight is not about the league. What's up, Juju? It's about football. 
It's about the players, the fans, the moments, and everything else that makes you say, oh boy. Fumble! Did you guys have to kind of keep it under wraps so that nobody knew about it? It was a big surprise when the game came? Yeah, we just, uh, we knew when we did it that uh, it was just one of those things that the NFL really wanted to, you know, keep under wraps. And, and uh, when they showed it for the first time, there it was. But uh, we, we, really, we really did enjoy doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, it's, and then so, so uh, going into the Super Bowl, do you have any jitters? Or you're like, this is a walk in the park. Going into Super Bowl? Uh, in, in 85. Did you, you feel like it was a walk in the park? When, when did you feel like the game was over? When it was over, when when did you feel like all right, it's, it's like it, it, like we're we're coasting from here, like no more went to worry anymore. Well, you know, um, when I look at the '85 uh, Super Bowl, or whatever, I, I just uh, I really enjoyed the game and and really prepared for the game. From the time we got there, um, I, I was in my room the whole time. I never left. Uh, but when the game was over, I was just. Uh, uh, got on a plane and went straight to Hawaii, my wife and I, and I always uh, felt that we would do it again, but we never did it again. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't want to come back to Chicago and celebrate because I didn't want to, um, I, I didn't want to feel satisfied. I wanted to keep the hunger. Um, so, but you know, it was a great day, great game and would have been nice to do another one. I have a question. How did you get into coaching? Well, um, when I when I left the game, when I retired, um, I always wanted to coach, and um, but something you know, my wife had been saying something. You hear, but you're not here. You know, you spend a lot of time watching video. Uh, I brought the game home. I watched it at home. I had my own setup at home. And um, so when I retired, I asked about five coaches around the league, you know, like uh, Parcells and, and um, you know, uh, Dave Wanstead or uh, Coach Ditka, uh, Buddy, you know, how did you become a great, a great coach and a great father, a great husband? And they all said, Mike, you got to marry a great woman. And because uh, she's going to raise the kids and, and you got to coach. And at that time, I made a decision not to coach. And um, for 10 years, I was out of the game and I wanted to raise my family. I wanted my kids to know who I was. I wanted to have a great relationship with my my wife. And after 10 years, my I came home one day after starting my business and my wife said, you're not going to want to hear this, but it's time to start coaching. I, I know you want to do it. I know it's in your spirit. And so I, and um, uh, we both prayed about it. And within two weeks, we had sold our house, packed it up and moved to Baltimore. And, and uh, we were coaching in about two weeks. Unbelievable. What, what was it like just being around like Ray Lewis and just seeing what, see what he would do on the field? It was great. I mean, it was, um, it was fantastic. From the time I got there to the time I left. Um, it was time to be, uh, um, it was just fun to be in the game again and, and really to to try and help the young men, um, not just to be great players, but to be great people. And so uh, that was that was fun.
That's awesome. I just got two, two last questions for you because I know you're on a tight schedule. What was that whole experience like coaching in the AAF? And then can you explain what happened when it kind of just all fell apart? The AAF was fantastic. It was fantastic simply because of the kids that were there, the young men that were dying to get in the league, were doing, would do anything they could. You know, coach, what can I do? Kids that are hungry every day, um, focused every day, trying to better their game just to get a shot at the NFL. So to coach that kind of kid was very different than coaching an NFL kid. Um, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. So um, for me, it was uh, very exciting um, to be a part of that uh, at that time. And, um, you know, when the whole thing fell apart um, at the end, it was, it was very sad uh, the way that it happened. And uh, we, we had all hoped for something better for the ending, uh, but, it, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, so frustrating and disappointing on that side of it for the kids. Um, but uh, it was a great experience. And then my, my last question for you is how cool was it to get that call from Canton that you're being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? That was a, that was a fantastic call. Um, I remember when I got the call, I was, I was speaking. I was on the road, my, my son and I, um, and we were speaking and uh, they had the phone there um, with the number from the Hall of Fame. And we had given them the information as to where I was going to be if I made it in. So when I finished speaking, the phone rang. And it was a call from the Hall of Fame that said, welcome to the Hall of Fame. You, you made it. And so the whole building was waiting for the phone call. They knew I was waiting. And um, everybody was just in absolute pandemonium. Uh, the place was screaming and uh, it was a beautiful day, wonderful day. And, and um, um, I walked outside and everybody in the building, there were about 2000 people, they walked outside and they were chanting the whole way. And my son and I got in the car and we drove off. That's unbelievable. Uh, quick, quick question, so I was, I was talking to Morton Anderson couple weeks ago and I don't know if you know but he's on his third gold jacket his first one he got a stain on it the second one apparently it tore they just got him his third and I asked him I said you know of any other guys in the hall have multiple jackets he said I can't say I was gonna ask you is it did you have anything where they had to ship you a new one no no, no? I, uh, I'm good 